Warning, the following content may contain elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, kitties. This is y'all's Dooley, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Slasher Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Slasher Radio. My name is Mikey Bones, and I got the owl Bobby Spitz in here with me. What's up? Hootie hoo. Mink, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. fucking moon. We made it. We did it. Oh, it's been a trip, man. It felt. Did, is it just me, or did it feel like Halloween? This year did go by fast, but Halloween specifically felt like it took forever, no? It was dragging ass. Right? It's like when you get to October, it slows down a little bit. September was the longest one. Yeah. yeah September but... was a long-ass fucking month, man. Some bitch. And October hits, and you're still not there, but it's October. It's like you're only getting a tip. <laughs> Now we got the whole thing today, boy. It is Halloween. And we have a special, special, special guest. Mink, I don't know how this happened. I don't know, but I'm glad that it happened. Right? We have Greg Nicotero. Usually, we'll, you know, when something big happens, we'll mention it on a previous episode. Things move fast around here, right? But we appreciate Greg taking time out of his schedule. For anybody who doesn't know, somehow, I mean, if you've been under a rock and don't know what Greg Nicotero's done. <sighs> I mean, this is a long list. You take a deep breath. Oh, go take a shit first. Take oh, a deep breath. I just took one not long ago, so I think I'm out. I'm good with that. And then let him have it. All right. <sighs> Day of the Dead, 1985. Evil Dead 2, 1987. Creep Show 2, 1987. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, 1989. Good year. Halloween 5, 1989. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, 1980. I'm going to just stop saying the years now. <laughs> Evil Dead Army of Darkness, New Nightmare, Scream, Wishmaster, Scream 2, House on Haunted Hill, The Crow, 13 Ghosts, Sin City, Amityville Horror, The Ryan Reynolds 1, 2005. Uh, Hostel, Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, Hills Have Eyes 2, the two remakes, Transformers, Last House on the Left, Final Destination, Jennifer's Body, the Last Exorcism from 2010, Predators 2010, Piranha 3D, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, Suicide Squad, Jason Goes to Hell, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003, Annabelle, and The Walking Dead, and Creepshow. Creepshow. Yeah. 2019, brand new, fresh out the box, Mink. Have you ever seen, so I don't think, he must have the best catalog or resume of anybody. All that, and he owns a restaurant, too. So, <laughs> And we're talking about us being busy. Can you imagine? <laughs> On top of an effects studio. Yeah, right? I mean, Greg Nicotero's pro I mean, him, Tom Savini, you know, take your pick from the, at the very least, most prominent, most talented special effects artists, no? I say, man, he's like the Dr. Dre of makeup effects. Right? And, yeah, he just had Creep Show. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. But, I mean, you know me and The Walking Dead, man. Oh, that's your thing. Yeah. No, dude. Walking Dead. Remember remember when we would sit nice? Yeah. In the basement 
We had our little lights on, like we had these cool little lamps. A couple, you know, ambiance lights. I mean, that's why they thought we were fucking, man. That is why they thought we were You know what? It, we don't blame them. I mean, I don't blame them, but shit, man. Two grown men can't be comfortable. And not only that, when we <laughs> watch Walking Dead, like, I, I'd have a blanket on. We got the blizzy going and lights off. Pajamas, fucking footies and shit. <laughs> Practically, yeah. <laughs> we were in our PJs, that's for damn sure. Man, we were chilling like a son of a bitch, dude. Those right. the man, listen, The Walking Dead was like an event for us. Dude. Right. Today is the day. We're going to fucking shut it down. Everything's all nice. Sat down, mm-hmm. and we had an hour of in-your-ass, non-stop, zombie fuck. Mm. But it was weird because, like, we never expected that kind of content on cable television. Yeah. Yeah. And that caliber of content to be on cable television. Yeah. So those first couple of episodes for me will forever stand out because when we were introduced to that, to the zombie and of course, the, as the show progressed, they got more involved in depth with the detail and all, but of course it was amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback off of that, a lot of people, they they got turned off initially to Walking Dead. And, and I was one of them. A couple of people I worked with at the time kept telling me to watch it. I was like, ah, you know, just like everyone else says, I don't want to watch a zombie show. It's not, a, I mean, it is a zombie show. But the way they were able to pull these characters together. And on top of, like you said, dude, these are the best zombies on television by far, hands down. I don't want to hear it. You know, like, you, you can argue movies and, you know, then you have your, your debates with all that stuff. But on television, especially cable television, mm-hmm. name one other show that had a better zombie. No. It was fascinating. Yeah, it was just, we were so taken back by that. I mean, that's what, and not, not only that, but, like, the, the writing, of course, and everything was just the overall experience of The Walking Dead was great, even down to the end, you know. And, but I'm sure, like... You know, people who who watched the whole entire thing when they started getting to the Negan area, and mm. you know, just the little shit that they would do, you know, like add blood to the to the bat and certain things and polish it up and make it look rustic. Like they had to pull that off and make the audience believe like this thing has been used to fucking batter people down. Mm-hmm. You know, and they did a phenomenal job. If you didn't, I mean. It looked like it was exactly used for that purpose. And you don't see that much effort put into a cable television series like that. You're right. You know, you get like a watered down version of what a movie would be. This is movie caliber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll agree with you on that 100%. And and keep in mind, I, I, I keep saying this, like, I don't know why I have to, but just in case any of our listeners aren't, you know, aren't aware all that other, all the, that whole big ass list of Greg's uh, movies and all that stuff that he's been a part of—that was special effects and makeup department. With Walking Dead director, executive producer, mm-hmm. uh, he heads the makeup department, obviously. And yeah, dude, all those details you just mentioned, like Negan's bat, the wear on it—I mean, he has a hand in that. And I think Greg Nicotero, like, he wasn't a huge name. You know, he was putting out phenomenal work, but the name value, he was an unsung hero. And Walking Dead made people go, oh, holy shit. And then you look at everything he's done, and it's like, wow. Yeah, that guy's been batting the thing. He's like the Doug Flutie of the fucking <laughs> horror genre. 
Did you really say the Doug Flutie? <laughs> Man. Hell yeah. Oh, dear God. Oh, hold on. We got all carried away here. We, we got to still do the shout outs and all that stuff. You guys aren't getting a bonus episode, by the way, this week, because it lands when our episodes come out. So that's it. There it goes. You don't get two on one day. What the hell does this look like? I wish we can give him the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let me get the shout outs out of the way, because we got a lot to get to. It's freaking Halloween. Go to 12nightsofhorror.com, promotehorror.com, horrormoviestuff.com. Go check all of them out. They support the show, so please help us and support them. Also, check out our buddies at FridayThe13thFranchise.com. Mate, Sean Cunningham is hanging out at a Monster Mania event in 2020. He's got some pair of fucking balls on him. Right? Yeah, let me, let me see, because now we're giving it... Oh, oh, God. It's in Jersey. Of course it would be. Where else would it be? <sighs> Why? Why? Mate, because if you if you didn't know this by now, <laughs> Jersey, you're gonna piss me off. <laughs> Jersey is everything apparently. Apparently, Jersey is like the fucking rest of the world, and then there's us. Everything has been in Jersey lately. I how it is because it's kind of new. Like when WrestleMania was in MetLife, they said New York City. The, one time they had a whole stage of the Manhattan skyline, but you're not in New York though. No, but they—it's just the whole world don't give a shit anymore. New York is New Jersey, and vice versa, and it drives me crazy. But it is the easier New York, Rat bastards. That's Jersey. It, oh, it's Jersey. But yeah, uh, March thirteenth through the fifteenth, you can go to Cherry Hill in New Jersey, and uh, Sean is the first Friday thirteenth. Oh, okay, so no one else from the Friday thirteenth franchise has hopped on this yet. So he was the first one, I'm sure. You know, you might bring Harry on along. Who the hell knows, you know? You never know, baby. <laughs> never know. So, um, yeah, go over to FridayThe13thFranchise.com. They give you all the details on that. Um, Mink, spitball news. Ooh, Bobby Spitzer. Bring it on, baby. Bring it down. It's time for Spitball in the News with Bobby Spitzer. Wow. <laughs> I felt like I was waiting for it, but I didn't know. <laughs> that last little pop. Okay, make the Joker. New Joker movie just came out. Is officially the highest grossing R-rated movie in history. It was a piece of shit. Did you see it? No, I'm just oh, fuck it. I don't know. From what I, I I heard a lot of mixed reviews. Yeah, I also heard Snowflakes crying about it. Eh, that and then plus like I guess people are going in expecting like a comic book movie mm -hmm. and it didn't. Good, like, you know what though? Fuck them. Yeah. Not for nothing. Fuck them because that's not what the Joker's supposed to be. This is the Joker. Joker. Right? You know, like, and don't get me wrong, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger was phenomenal, but they weren't going for this. Like, it's different. They actually, they made a made an actual movie of it, and I really want to go see it, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so Deadpool 2 was, damn, 785 million worldwide. That's crazy. They made a lot of money. So this, uh, what? As THR notes, the pop 
it's possible for the film to reach one billion dollars by the end of its run. No way. How the fuck? Really? Now on its way to passing eight hundred the eight hundred million dollar mark this weekend, Joker could be looking at Academy Award recognition. Wow, dude! And this was the twenty fifth, so it's probably past that by now. How much did the Dark Knight make? Um, in total, let me see. Wow. Okay, Dark Knight made one point five billion. Yeah, dude, it's closing in on it. Yeah, yeah, and quickly. Yeah. Dark Knight was in there for a long time. Let me see if I can find because they don't give an. I don't think they know the exact numbers yet. Oh wow! Wait, Joker nears 850 million to become the most profitable comic book movie ever. <gasps> no way! Damn, they did it. Did they just top Marvel, or are they about to? Rather, they did it. Wait, we gotta find that Spider-Man. <laughs> we really gotta find. It took one. Well, uh, one. Harley Quinn's in it too. Two characters. Well, one from the Batman mm. universe. Well, Harley Quinn's part of that, no? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, well, her and Joker, the yeah. Argu- the whole argument between this kid was Batman Spider-Man. Yeah, that's what I These mean. all under the Batman. Yeah, two of them. It's all tough. It didn't even need Batman. Imagine if Batman was in it. But you know what made this movie so great, too, is I heard there was, like, a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, sprawled out throughout the movie, and apparently there was like a little fucking Batman thing that nobody caught. And it's gonna be one of those films, man. That I guarantee you, twenty years from now, we're gonna fucking still be sitting down talking about it. Yeah, I hope so, man. I can't wait to see it. I, I'm trying to get time to see it. If they pass Marvel, oh my god, that filler guy's gonna hear it. That uh, Spider-Man kid's gonna hear it. I don't know. I think, man. You know, Marvel. Had their run, they were great. Yeah, but then I think that had to happen for DC to figure out how to pull their head out their ass and yeah, yeah. Know, instead of competing with Marvel, don't worry about that. Just do your own thing, and you're gonna. And you know, not for nothing. How long have we been saying? Yeah. How long have we been saying? And it finally happens, and they did it in a big way. People were saying this movie was too offensive. It was over the top, too much. That's what DC's always been about, man. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a sign of things to come. Maybe they'll really start pulling the reins in that direction. Never know. It'll be good for the horror genre. Um, what the hell is up next? We did that. We did that. Oh, sleepaway camp icon Felissa Rose has joined the cast of Terrifier 2. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's crazy. She, she became a little icon after that movie. She developed a little name for herself. Yeah, she did. You know, that, that name is good for Terrifier, too. Not that it needs it, but it's nice to, ha- to have. That's when you know you got chops, baby. You got the, the brajol hanging the meat in the window. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Ugh. Okay. Uh, 31 days of Halloween. Yeah, I don't know if I can walk no more. <laughs> what the fuck? What are you saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the 31 days of Halloween that we were tracking, bloody disgusting, giving you guys something to watch every day. Day 25, Paranormal Activity 3. Bam. <gasps> oh. Damn. Oh, Katie, please. Come on now. You got to get your <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What? Uh, oh, shit. Damn. 
she's she's swift, I tell you. Uh, I just said the other day, like Bobby keeps my finger on that bleep boy. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Touche. Uh, Touche. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, they they they're getting they're hitting big as we get closer, which I like. Like they're it's been a pretty good list so far. Um, and I wanted to double down on it because now day twenty seven, Evil Dead, like OG. Oh damn. Mm-hmm. Man, they ain't playing around. No, they ain't fucking around on this one. You don't do a list. That's how you do it right there. I can't wait to see what the last few are. If the last one is Halloween, I'm gonna be mad. But the last one needs to be something controversial, but yet right. Yeah. So zombie movie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that that then you just defined it. There you go. Watch it be watch it. Watch it. Watch. I mean, if it's if it's Rob Zombie, we're gonna have problems. It's gonna be it's gonna be a Rob Zombie movie. I can feel it in my balls, man. Me, you, and Rob are gonna have problems if it's a Rob Zombie movie. I think I don't know why, but I feel like that's what it's gonna be. Have they put a Rob Zombie movie up there? Yeah, remember they had um I haven't seen all of them just when we pick one to record, but they had um Salem. What was it? Salem's Lot. No, uh, the one Rob Zombie did. Um, Lords yeah. of Salem. Yep. Yeah. They had that, so I'm sure Halloween was in there somewhere. Let me see, does this give the whole list on this page? Not that I'm going to go through it all. No, they don't. Okay, I was going to... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Lords of Salem, and that's it. The Conjuring's on here. I don't like that. You know what's crazy, man? I was sitting there, I was playing Dead by Daylight with these fucking new kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell them anything or nothing, you know, because I'm just like fucking around and shit but i hear them start talking about like horror movies and they're like oh the conjuring oh my god it's my favorite oh shit that's the best one i'm like right. you fucking assholes yeah i know if you like that too i'm like really you fucks yeah because the games we play are you know usually if it's not madden it's you know dead by daylight or friday the 13th so What's yeah. your favorite horror movie is a pretty fair question. Yeah, it got brought up, and then they started fucking going off on this movie, man. It's so scary, they say. Yeah, and there was another one. No, I forgot what the fuck it was. It started with an S. Sinister or something like that? Oh, I will slap somebody. Dude, they were fucking... I was like, you fucks. At least the first Conjuring was decent, but the Sinister was just god-awful. I was waiting for them to fucking jump. I, I was waiting for them to be like, oh, the ring was the shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, that would be too old for them. You know, but trying to be fucking edgy. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Say something, you know. Like, all right, you obviously don't know. <laughs> well, you fucking guys. Goose. <sighs> yeah. Goose guys. Goose too. Goose. Yeah. And in City, you know what's fucked up? Wow. The first one, the first movie on their list, okay, now I got beef with them, is Insidious, and the second one is Sinister. Are you fuck? And they did a live tweet for Sinister? Make no. I don't know what it is with that movie, dude. We gotta talk to Bloody Disgusting, and I'm gonna DM Brad. No, no, no. Can't have that. It's a weird fucking staple, man. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that that's the new... Oh, Mink, we didn't do our moment of silence. Oh, I'm Jimmy, Jimmy. Oh, shut. Ladies and gentlemen, please bow your head for the prayer of the last episode. Yes, this is where we go through 
we let you guys know what came off of our homepage preview list because we have nothing better to do. The movie that comes off the, li- the list this week is The Thing. <sighs> the Thing? I'm not mad about it. The Thing? You talking about The Thing? What a god. Yeah, The Thing comes off. Gabadia. Rob, what's up? Somebody's gonna save it. <laughs> Never get it back. Hey, fucking. What are you gonna do? I'm not upset to see this one go. You wanna bet? You should have took a screenshot. Save it. <laughs> Alright, mate. Um. So, yeah, that's all the bullshit we have for this week. Uh, we're going to pass you on off to our interview with Greg Nicotero and... Oh. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. The new fucks are going to enjoy it. every last second of it. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side of this, guys. Enjoy. I wonder what that squirrel was doing, Link. He ran into a bush, and I almost didn't get a picture of him. Hi, everyone. Greg is on. Mr. Nicotero, how are you doing, sir? Hello, hello. Let me guess. You're Mike. I am Mike, and I have my co-host. There you go. One for one. (laughs) Uh, Bobby is also here. Yeah, I'm here. How's it going? Good. Great. Hi, guys. Mr. Nicotero, we can't thank you enough for taking the time with us. How's your day going? Uh, my... Probably the easiest day I've had in about two years. Oh my because god! Because I was editing all day, so I wasn't running around uh, in the heat. I wasn't arguing or fighting about something. I was uh, I was putting together uh, episode thirteen of The Walking Dead, and it looks great. Oh my goodness! So, so tell us everything that happens in the. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I could imagine how busy you are. You have so much going on. You've been putting out material like crazy speaking of the stuff you've been working on we have creep show that just released and i was hoping we could talk to you a little bit about that as well absolutely absolutely listen i mean you know creep shows a it's a labor of love for me you know uh that's that is the that is the time in my life when i developed my friendship with george romero it's the time in my life when i met tom savini um and uh, it's a project that's very near and dear to me. You know, I was, I was, I don't know, 17. I forget even how old I was. But I, it was the first movie set that I ever visited, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I was invited to the cast crew screening by George uh, in 1981. So it's like when people talk about creep show, it's sort of, I used to say like, wait, my creep show, creep show? Because <laughs> I kind of when I was younger, I felt this sort of unique ownership to it because I had visited the set and, and it's kind of the, the nexus, uh, that changed the course of my, of my life. So it's, uh, I couldn't be more overjoyed that everybody recognized 
the passion and the inspiration and the, the dedication that went into uh, the reboot of Creepshow because I put everything I had into into the series and the best reward was that everybody uh, everybody saw that and that was the best so well you kind of um jumped into a little bit what i was going to say because i did hear about you know you being friends with uh, george romero at a young age and obviously this was a passion project for you was there anything going into creating this project was there any specific aspects from the original creep show that you felt needed to be present when uh, in the reboot well you know I find it very fortunate in my career that I've sort of been around uh, in a lot of instances where I worked with filmmakers that were ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll I'll reference Robert Rodriguez because when we did Sin City um, in 2004, I felt like Robert was one of those guys that was ahead of his time. And when you look at the stuff that George did, you know, Night Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the Crazies, you know, there's there was such a unique rebellious nature of the filmmakers in the late uh, 60s and early 70s. That's what led to this uh, this amazing cinema over the last couple decades that we get to share in. You know, mm-hmm. there's a great book called Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and it talks about filmmaking in the late 60s through the 70s and Scorsese and Spielberg and Coppola and you had these maverick filmmakers um, that I really felt bucked the system because they felt like the rules didn't apply to them. And George was one of those people. He was passionate. He had vision. And with Night of the Living Dead and then later with Dawn of the Dead, it was apparent in every frame of film that he shot. So mm-hmm. I always looked at Creepshow as another one of those films that was ahead of its time, you know, using the freeze frames and the comic books coming to life and uh, all this kind of stuff that they, all the techniques that they employed, you know, the color saturation and the backgrounds. I always felt that it, it was the most immersive way to tell that story. So when we started developing Creepshow, I wanted to hold on to that, you know, in this day and age where you have people who, who <clears throat> in many instances, have a very short attention span. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hold on to and embrace the night gallery aspect of like, well, listen, you know, we could have one segment that's 12 minutes and one segment that's 16 minutes and one segment that's 24 minutes. You know, the first right out of the gate, I went to Shutter and I said, we're doing six episodes. We need 18 stories. So mm. clearly I was out of my mind. Um, <laughs> Because I thought that we could shoot 18 stories in in eight weeks. And uh, as we started developing stories and and pulling in material, I realized that there was no way production-wise that we could do that. So we whittled it from 18 to 12. Um, And even in that regard, I kept trying to express to everybody, having 22-minute stories is going to be one of the things that people are going to really respond to in terms of creep show, because it's going to give them an opportunity to watch a short. And then if they want to watch another short, they can watch another one at another time or watch them together because the short horror film festival world, that whole circuit, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some unbelievable short films and 
the best thing about it is much like when George sort of began this endeavor. Rules don't apply. You don't have to set anything up for like a four-act structure with a teaser and three acts. You don't have to do any of that. You can tell whatever kind of story you want in whatever time frame that you want, and the, the, the traditional rules don't apply. And that, that was really, really exciting to me. So, so since you get to have that kind of freedom to work around, you know, we're we're all excited about the ideas that you're coming up with, with as far as you know the makeup aspect and the creatures and everything. Um, is there anything that we're going to be throwing back at, or any specific episode that you're really excited about, or any kind of hint towards something that we could look forward to, as far as your creations with the effects? Well, you know. The- Again, I mean, in the in the in the sheer state of me biting off way more than I could chew on Creepshow, which we did, and I think that's one of the things that we were really striving to do. You know, every episode has something unique in it. You know, we uh, Bad Wolf Down, we we had the opportunity to recreate um, famous werewolves from past movies. You know, we did a Howling Werewolf tribute, we did an American Werewolf in London tribute. We did a teenage, I was a teenage werewolf tribute. So that was a lot of fun getting to do like werewolf suits. And then in Grey Matter, the Stephen King story that I directed, we got a chance to do some cool practical makeup effects. There's another episode that I directed called The Finger, written by David Scow. And we had a rod puppet and I actually used stop motion. I didn't oh, wow. want to do a CGI character. I wanted it to feel authentic to what we were trying to do so we had puppet work we had animatronics we had makeup we had uh, stop motion we had a few cgi pieces here and there but really the majority of the work that we did on the show was practical and i had a lot of people crew people that had been working on a lot of the marvel movies down here in, in atlanta for a long time and they were like I didn't know people did this anymore. And I was like, well, the sad part is people really don't do it much anymore. So Creepshow really gave us the opportunity to embrace the techniques that inspired thousands of of filmmakers today, including Guillermo del Toro and Alex Aja and Eli Roth and, um, you know, all of these, uh, all these amazing filmmakers. So it really was, it really was out of the gate. The intention was to do as much practical as we could. I mean, I'm sitting here in my house in Georgia and I'm looking in the backyard at a 14 foot long sea monster that we created for an episode. And, nice. uh, and I, I literally hired this dude in Atlanta who did foam carving and he carved the whole thing out of a block of styrofoam and we resined over it and, I was explaining to the guy, I was like, listen, when they did the first alien and they had the space jockey in London, that's the exact same way they did it. You know, there wasn't, they didn't have a computer generated image. They had a bunch of artists who carved it and then they coated it with resin and they painted it. And then the actors walked around it and the director filmed it. uh, And it became part of movie history, like in, in terms of alien. So I was really excited to be able to, to utilize this art form that is so 
uh, it's so inspirational. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's really a big part of what Creepshow is. It's, it's celebrating what inspires us. You know, the original Creepshow, it was all Stephen King and George Romero paying tribute to EC Comics. So my Creepshow is paying tribute to the decade that spawned it and all of those technicians and artists that worked in the genre at the time, John Carpenter and Wes Craven and Joe Dante and Rick Baker and Rob Bottin and Tom Savini and Stan Winston. And, you know, so it really is, you know, my creep show is just paying tribute to the stuff that inspired me. Whereas George and Steve's creep show was stuff paying tribute to stuff that inspired them. So you might want to move that sea monster to the front yard, maybe for Halloween, just have, have it out in the front. <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> Well, here's the funny thing is I have a lake behind my house. It's a little unwieldy because you need about seven guys to move it. Mm. But my original idea was just to throw it next to the lake and just leave it there. And (laughs) like people that would go jogging around the lake would just see it. Oh, Um, God. That was my original plan. But unfortunately, uh, it would have required me hiring people to come and help move it (laughs) because it's pretty pretty big. But... um, it's it's nestled under a couple of trees in my backyard right now. I'm I'm really glad you brought all that up though because it's a shame that we're talking about practical effects like they're a thing that doesn't exist anymore because I feel <clears throat> a lot of true genuine horror fans especially look at CGI and especially when it's not done properly and it's like oh man and I, that's what I admire so much about your work and you mentioned Tom Savini and it, what do you think the landscape of your profession and makeup, special effects and all that, what do you think it's going to look like in about 20 years? Because we're moving further and further away from that, unfortunately. Well, you know, I I would beg to differ a little bit because, you know, as filmmakers find their voices, many of them are, are opting to use practical effects because that's what they grew up on. And, you know, I, I would give The Walking Dead a tremendous amount of credit mm-hmm. for putting a television series on uh, every week that celebrates practical makeup effects. And then right behind us was American Horror Story. And there was a lot of other shows that came out that embraced practical makeup. But, you know, the nice thing is Walking Dead was one of the first ones. And once it became popular... I had a lot of people approaching me saying, oh, my God, I had no idea. You know, I want to do what you do. And in my head, all I can remember is meeting Tom Savini and saying that to him right. when I was younger. So I feel like The Walking Dead has given makeup artists a unique opportunity to sort of pay it forward to a new generation of people. And what's interesting to me is a lot of them are women. You know, when I, when I got into the industry makeup effects it was mostly like long-haired dudes that wore monster t-shirts um and were uh, it was a steady diet of lucio fulci movies and george romero movies and 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 now what i love is that it's not just uh it's not just a career for guys who love metallica and i love metallica by the way but but it's sort of opened up to a lot of women who who see who see the value of being able to create and transform people with makeup. And I love that. And I really think it's interesting now 
that a lot of people are really embracing practical effects. And, and everything is always cyclic, you know, because of the fact that, you know, I think when video games hit the market um, and, you know, I mean, going back to even like the mid nineties with the abyss and Jurassic park, you know, a lot of people like, well, those were the first movies that employed computer generated uh, graphics in a major way. And I went to the cast crew screening of Jurassic park and Ray Harryhausen was sitting in the row in front of me. And I was watching Ray Harryhausen watch CGI dinosaurs. And when the movie was over, everybody went out into the universal city walk and I saw Harryhausen talking to Spielberg and he was just like, it was stunning. It was beautiful. It was amazing. So you have these technicians that understand what tools need to be used to execute specific uh, visions. But what happened is after that, there was this major onslaught of movies that were created because filmmakers realized that now there were no boundaries. Now they could, they could do almost anything. I mean, thank God they haven't remade Jaws because that would, in my mind, that would be sacrilege. However, um, in every other aspect of it, it's what tools are available to the filmmakers at the time. And I feel like now with video games, you know, everybody expects or assumes that every single thing in the frame should be alive and moving and exploding and being shot at or reanimating. And, and it's a little sensory overload for me personally. Like I have a hard time watching a lot of modern movies where there's so much going on Mm -hmm. that I can't, follow it i like being able to watch something where my my brain can comprehend what's happening and i think a lot of that is just because of the way video games are but you know you have a show like creep show and you have a lot of films that really embrace practical makeup effects so i feel like my company you know with k and b you know we've been around since 1988 so we've been around for almost 32 years and we're the longest living makeup effects company. I think right behind us is ADI who started about a year after K and B did, but you know, between all the walking dead stuff that we're doing and all the other TV series and the movies and you know, we're, we're busier than we were 10 years ago. And a lot of that is because of the resurgence in, in makeup because of the walking dead. Yeah, I, I think Walking Dead, and that, and I'm a huge Walking Dead fan, as, as well as my 80 year old grandmother, just absolutely loves it. So I, oh yeah, I think it it cycled that. You're right, it, it, and that was the cycle, I believe. You said, like everybody was hitting CGI for a minute, and then Walking Dead came and said, "Oh wow, that looks a lot better." All right, guys, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with the with the rest of the interview, but we got to pay some bills. Say, everybody haven't seen my balls. They're big and salty and brown. If you ever need a quick, pick me up. Just stick my balls in your mouth. Guys, we've been saying it for weeks. Halloween is finally here. It's here today. I know a bunch of people are going out to Halloween parties tonight. Maybe you're going to work all dressed up. You can be Cousin It, you can be Chewbacca, Bigfoot, whatever it is you want to be, but your pecker doesn't have to be dressed up like that, too. You need to take care of your junk, 
Don't be that hairy dude, man. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 2.0. Inside this, very cleverly named by the way, inside the perfect package 2.0, you will receive an electric trimmer, effectively named the Lawnmower 2.0. It's waterproof, skin safe technology will protect you from nicking your pumpkins, and you can also create less of a mess by trimming your boys in the shower. Because you don't got to worry. You put it in the water, no big deal. It's all good. And of course, by the way, let's not forget about the crop preserver and anti-chafing, get ready for this, ball deodorant. And moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Fellas, why wouldn't you put deodorant on the stankiest part of your body? You junk in the front. The Perfect Package 2.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxer briefs that keeps your junk cool and smelling fresh all day. Guys, it's almost like silk, but it's not. It lets you shit breathe. Oh my God. I mean, they even have a crop reviver. It's a ball toner spray. I mean, my God. Guys, women go above and beyond to keep everything right for us. I mean, we need to do the same. We need to hold up our end of the deal. And we're hooking you up. You can get 20% off and free shipping by using the Slasher Radio promo code. We are hooking you up. Guys, you got to be sexy for Halloween. I mean, come on. Halloween party. You get home. You had a few drinks. You took an Uber back because you're not drinking and driving. And, you know, you get your woman. She's got some type of like a Catwoman outfit or something sexy on, like a sexy nurse costume. I mean... You, you guys want to fucking take advantage of this moment. It, it's once a year. You get to, to thought out with your woman. You don't want to disappoint. You want to have your shit right. Manscaped.com. Don't forget to go check them out. Trust us, guys. Your balls will thank you. You know us. We keep it real. No matter popular opinion, we're going to say what's real. We wouldn't be telling you guys about this. We wouldn't be promoting it without believing in it. We've tried the stuff. We use it. We love it. Don't waste any time. Do it right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. I mean, you, you can get you can get the ball deodorant with our promo code. You can get the ball deodorant for $8. I mean, come on. You can't beat that. If you're skeptical about it, give it a try. Start off with the ball deodorant. Eight bucks out of your pocket with our promo code. You don't even pay for shipping. They send it to you for free. Start off with that, and then it'll sell you. It'll sell you. Just see how that goes. You'll fall in love with it. Believe me, I cannot. It's like putting on regular deodorant for me. Put on regular deodorant, and then slap some on the boys, and I am good to go for the rest of the day. Fellas, manscaped.com. Slasher radio promo code. Hook yourself up. Hook your balls up. Women, hook your men up because I I wouldn't know personally, but I can imagine it's not fun having stanky nads. So go do it now. All right. So that's it. That's all I got to say about that. Let's get back to Greg Nicotero. Speaking of Walking Dead, uh, most of your work has been, you know, on the makeup, specialist effects side of things. And for Walking Dead, you moved into, you know, directing and executive producer and all that. So what was it like, kind of, you spent so much time perfecting one aspect of filming, and now you're moving into a much different role. So how was transitioning into that? 
Well, you know, it it was interesting because before we did season one of The Walking Dead, I had been I had been working nonstop on the road for two years. I had done Inglorious Bastards, I had done Piranha, I had done Predators, I had done The Book of Eli. I was all over the world. I was in Berlin, I was in New Mexico, I was in Texas, I was in Hawaii. I was all over the place. So for a two-year period, I was traveling all over the world doing effects and working with, you know, guys like Quentin and Robert and Alex Aja, a lot of my friends and a lot of guys that I looked up to. When I got home from Predators, I knew that I had a window of about eight weeks before Walking Dead was going to start. Frank Darabont, you know, I had gotten the script like a year before the, the show had ever been financed. Mm-hmm. because Frank had written it and then they took it to HBO and they took it to NBC. And they took it around and everyone's like, we don't understand. Like it's a zombie show. Like we don't get mm. it. So fortunately, fortunately a, a, uh, AMC got it and here we are. But in that meantime, you know, I had come up with this idea for this little short film that I wanted to do that was, um, based on this idea I had years ago when I was working at universal. And I was like, what if like monsters were real? And there was this, agency like you know william morris or caa and they just represented monsters so if you were making a monster movie you would call them and go hey i need this monster and then they would send a couple guys and they would send the monster over to set and they would you'd film the scene and then the guys would wrangle the monster put it back in its cage and take it back um so in that eight week interim in 2010 before i started walking dead uh i shot this little eight minute short film and it was, you know, I got to recreate every original monster, you know, the creature from Black Lagoon and Frankenstein and the Wolfman and Dracula. And we really sort of pulled out all the stops. So it was something that I wanted to do just because I thought it would be fun. I never thought that I was going to move into directing, but I wanted to have the experience of saying, okay, I directed something at least once just for fun. And um, Frank Darabont had a cameo and Eli Roth and Dana Gould and, Serena Vincent and you know a lot of my friends were like sure man we'll come up and we'll play for a couple hours and so then we go off and we start shooting Walking Dead and I you know it was like a kind of a silly Hollywood story of like you know I had a copy of the DVD in my pocket when we were at Comic-Con and I handed it to the president of the network and I said you guys should run this on the network it's perfect for Halloween it's perfect for October like, this is, this is right up uh, your guy's alley. So the next thing I know, they're playing my short on amc.com, uh, and Frank Darabont and I did a series of interviews called Killer Conversations, and it was just me and him talking about horror movies and the movies that we loved. And so when we got greenlit for season two of The Walking Dead, Frank was the one that came to me and said, I think you're ready to direct. Do you want to direct an episode of The Walking Dead? And I was like, yeah, I would I would love that opportunity. Thanks. You know, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere further than that, but, mm-hmm. um, and he said, do you want a zombie heavy episode or a zombie light episode? And I'm like, Hmm, I know that's a trick question. <laughs> um, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want a zombie light episode. I said, I want to work with, with actors and with characters. And I want to, I want to not just do what everybody would assume that I would do, which mm-hmm. is do a bunch of gags. So, I directed uh, episode 11, which was written by Angela Kang, who's our showrunner. That was the first episode she had ever written. Mm. Um, so it was, it was really, uh, 
it was really fun and it was really exciting and that was uh that was my first episode and i think i'm up to 33 episodes now wow and you know the network you know frank and gail and heard were the ones that after season one had basically said to me listen you're not just a makeup guy you were on the ground you were indoctrinating all the new directors as they came in and explaining to them the rules of the world and you know we want to give you a consulting producer credit so it was one of the first times in my career that anybody ever offered anything because right. usually you're always fighting for you it. You're always like, wait a minute, but I did this and I did that. You do, you, you know, you got to scratch, you got to scratch in the world uh, and hope that somebody recognizes it. So the fact that they called me and said, we recognize your contribution to the show. We couldn't do the, do the show without you. This is how we want to repay your, uh, your contribution. So, I didn't know what to say. Like it was probably, like I said, one of the first times in my career that anybody had ever just said, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing a great job. And thank you for making our show amazing. And, and, uh, I'll never forget that phone call and that phone call changed, changed everything for me because I went from consulting producer to co-executive producer to executive producer in three seasons. I, I, I moved up and, AMC also recognized my contribution to the show and signed me to develop material for the network. And so all of a sudden I was a makeup effects guy and a executive producer and a writer and a director, um, all in the same, uh, all in the same goodie bag. And it was pretty amazing and pretty exciting to, to have my friends go, dude, you're doing something that nobody else in, in history has ever really done. Like, to segue from a uh, prosthetics background into executive producing and directing and sustaining it for, for 10 years and then creating my own show with creep show. And, um, I'm honored and, and humbled, uh, all at the same time. Well, you deserve it. You work so hard, you know, and that's something that, uh, we as fans are glad that you got the recognition for, especially, you know, following you from all the way back to all the other projects that you've done. But now you've experienced, you know, being a director and doing all these things. Did you ever think that you were going to be an owner of a restaurant? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny. I think I, the restaurant came about because Norman and I, I think like in season two, we were like, like we would work crazy hours and then we would be like, man, let's just go have a beer somewhere. And, you know, by the time we'd be done filming and everything would be closed and, and we kind of joked around, like, we should open a bar, and then we can have the bar open anytime we want. And then we can go <laughs> have a drink, and we can talk to people and invite our friends. And it was really like a joke, you know? We were kind of just like, wouldn't it be great? To have a spot to hang out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, the irony is Norman can't really hang out in his own restaurant anyway, because, um, you know, we can't, you know, it's kind of hard to, to hang out there. Move around, yeah. Because, yeah, and I love going. Listen, I love going there, and I love the people. And um, you know, everybody said, "Oh, it's a terrible investment. You should never get into the restaurant business. It's horrible." And as soon as everybody said that, I'm like, "Okay, I'll do it." And I called Norman. I'm like, "Hey, what do you think?" And he's like, "I don't know. Should we do it?" I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" And you know, we we made our investment back within six months. Wow. And the restaurant is a huge hit, and people love it. And um, and it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean. I would have never, I would have never imagined, um, 
if somebody would have told me, you know, 30 years ago, what I would be doing, uh, I wouldn't, I would never have believed them. However, I do have an interesting anecdote to tell. So when I was, uh, this was probably like 1983, it was, uh, 83, it was before I got into the business and before I was hired on day of the dead, which was summer of 84. Um, I had a video camera, like you'd stick the beta tape in it. I would carry it around and I would film everything. You know, that ultimately uh, served me well when I worked on Evil Dead 2 and, and a lot of the early K&B projects because I filmed everything. So if you get the DVD of, of Evil Dead 2, all the making of footage is all my footage that I shot. So, so I, was, I was kind of a camera buff and I would walk around and I would film stuff. And there was one video that my younger brother found about six months ago. And it was, I had a little office in my house. Um, and I was filming my office and I was going to send the, the, the tape off to my parents who were uh, away for the winter. And I filmed the creep show poster in my office, um, at my house. And, and I pan, uh, I tilt down the poster and I get to the bottom and I literally said on the video, Hey mom and dad, maybe someday you'll see produced by Gregory Nicotero on one of these posters. Oh wow. So my brother found my brother made a copy of the footage and sent it to me a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. And the fact that it wasn't just any movie poster, but it was creep show. And I said, Hey, maybe someday it will say that. So you could say that in nineteen eighty three maybe I somehow either predicted that this was going to happen or just by sheer will uh, and desire made it happen. But I was so, I was speechless when I saw this video because I, I remembered filming it, but I would have never remembered what I had said in the moment where I was standing when I filmed it. And um, so when we had the premiere for Creepshow uh, at the Egyptian theater, like I had a premiere in Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, like, come on, it's so crazy um i told that story and i was like man you know nobody would believe it everyone would be like yeah that never really happened i'm like no i actually have proof that it happened i actually have the footage um of me saying it and if you listen to it you can hear it and it's just uh it's just it it, it goes back to everything that everything that george romero stood for and everything that, that anybody that ever had a dream stood for which is you work at it and you believe in it and you put enough passion and inspiration into it that you can make it happen and and uh i feel like i'm living proof of that and and that's you know i could retire tomorrow and feel good about the fact that um i wanted something so badly that i somehow made it happen and that, and that's that's an amazing feeling it really is incredible in all honesty, I it's and I'm not just saying this because we're here talking to you. Like it, you just epitomized when hard work, the rare times it gets recognized and appreciated. And yeah, you mentioned all this was going on. Like Walking Dead had a little bit of a slow start as, in terms of popularity, and it caught on at around season one and a half or something like that. So that's when you were really hitting your stride, and all that was going on, and that's what created something so great. And I mean, we appreciate it. Well, listen, I mean, and there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there who don't get the recognition right. that are hard workers that, right. that, that bust their asses 
uh, day in and day out. And you might not know who they are. Yeah. You might not know their name, but you know, um, I just feel like it's, it's a great opportunity for me to in, in some way sort of be the voice of all those people that, that get to realize their dreams and help other people realize their dreams. You know, when we did creep show, I was able to hire some directors that, um, that I really admired. And I was also able to call a lot of my friends, people that I had wanted to work with my entire life and say, Hey, I just got a green light on creep show and I want to use a story of yours. You know, John Esposito, who wrote Night of the Paw, John Skip, who uh, was, you know, a, an amazing writer with Craig Spector in like that sort of splatterpunk era, uh, and and even uh, David J. Scow. You know, like I called guys that I had met through the years and I had collaborated with, and and I was like, wait a minute, guys, I'm my opportunity. This is my chance. This is my opportunity, and I want to share it with my friends, and I want to share it with. Um, that people that sort of went on this journey with me and, and that was pretty amazing. And, you know, for me to be able to give Tom Savini a directing opportunity, um, that was sort of my way of saying thanks for all the years that he had supported me and, and given me these opportunities. And, you know, Tom's always like, Oh, you know, my, the Padawan is now the master Jedi. And <laughs> I, I know that Tom is, I know Tom is very, very proud um, of everything that I've done in my career. I know that he, I know that he has that swell in his chest of, of pride because he saw who I was then and who I am now, and he was a big part of shaping who I am. So um, I feel like I was really fortunate um, to be able to to say thanks to him and to say thanks to George, you know, there were a lot of times while we were filming creep show where John Harrison or Tina Romero, George's daughter who was visiting, uh, would pull me aside and go, George would be so proud uh, mm -hmm. of what you're doing right now. So that like kind of stopped me in my tracks a couple times. Wow. Um, so yeah, man, you know, it's incredible. All the work that you did, everything that you've done to get to where you are now. So, I mean, like, when you were young and you walked onto the set, you knew instantly, like, this is what you wanted to do, and you never gave up on that. You knew, like, that was it, and you just went head into it. And a lot of people are, you know, they, they're going through college, and they're stuck, and they, you know, eventually just, I don't know, I want to say give up. But, I mean, you're kind of, like you said, that voice to just, no, don't, just keep going, keep pursuing your dreams, and eventually, you know, if you work hard enough, it's going to crack open for you. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about that, thank you, by the way, um, the interesting thing about that is, you know, I still feel like after being in this business, you know, I started uh, June, I remember the date, June 23rd, 1984 was the day that I got hired on, on Day of the Dead. Um, so I got hired, so I've been in the business for 35 years, and I still feel like I have things to learn as a producer, as a writer, as a director, as an effects artist, you know, you never stop learning. You never get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm done. I've learned everything I need to know. And now I can move on. Um, I, I learned from my actors. I learned from the people I collaborate with my director of photography, um, Julia Hobgood, who's my producer, keeps me sane. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> everybody. I learn from I learn from everyone that I collaborate with, and that's an amazing thing because you always think that at some point, like, oh, these guys have been doing it for so long, they know all the tricks. There's no human on the planet that knows all the tricks because because the tricks change as the business changes and everything evolves. And I really love that there's still a whole world of experience out there uh, to, to fight and to attempt to defeat. And in some cases I'll win. And in some cases I might lose, but you know, so far so good, you know, <laughs> well, you've been on a roll. So let's keep that going. But, uh, Mr. Nicotero, we cannot thank you enough for taking it. This has been awesome. Your insight, your experience, the story, it, it's phenomenal. We appreciate your time, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Listen, let's, uh, let's keep in touch, and we'll do, uh, we'll do a little update um, as we go, like if you, if you guys want to keep in of touch. Course. Oh, I do of course. Love, I do love what I do, and, you know, that's the one thing. You know, I was, I was uh, with all the actors on Walking Dead yesterday, and, and, we were saying goodbye to a character who I won't tell you, so don't ask. I won't. And, I won't. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is you look around the room, and when I was talking to these people, I was like, man, you know, you guys make me better. Yeah. You make me better because we show up like every day is the first day on the job with that same level of commitment, that same level of passion, and that same level of enthusiasm. And... I love that. And, you know, who the hell knows when Walking Dead will ever end. But it's not like a movie where you do a movie and it's, you know, three or four months and then you say goodbye to everybody and you leave. Yeah. It's been 10 years, you know. It's been 10 years. So, um, bye, Gino. <laughs> it's been 10 years of being in the trenches, being in the trenches with these guys, you know, watching their children grow up, watch them get married, you know, watching, you know, their careers uh, evolve and change and blossom and and you know it's still strange to me to think about the fact that my daughter was four years old and my son was seven years old when we started the show wow. like they actually think that that norman and andy are their real <laughs> uncles because they would call yeah. them uncle norman well, you develop wow. sort of a family now you know they they actually at one point my daughter's like is Norman really my uncle and I was like well yes you've known him <laughs> since you were four so I would say I would say yes to that yeah. because we're all you know we're all family you know Jeffrey got married a couple of weeks ago and he invited my entire family he invited my wife and my kids to come to the wedding he's like I love your family they're awesome I mean that just it blew me away that that these relationships you know everyone talks about how the walking dead changed their life uh -huh. and again you know like not only did it change my career but it changed my life because i got to i got to meet people uh, and collaborate with people and fall in love with these these folks that um that I, that my life has forever changed in a great way so i'm i'm you know always uh, i i can't ever forget that part of it because this job is hard, man. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like we're shooting a show where two people sit in a room uh, for an hour and talk to each other. Like this show is hard and mm -hmm. we shoot it in eight days and we don't have a lot of money. We don't have um, HBO behind us and we don't get to shoot 40 days for a battle scene. We have like 45 minutes and mm -hmm. uh, everybody puts, everybody puts everything into it that they can. And it's in the middle of the um, woods in the Georgia. Show, 
Like that's crazy. In the middle of the woods yeah. in the summer when it's 110 degrees. No big fancy studio. Yeah. No, I, we you know last season for the finale when we did the snow episode, we built the that whole uh, snowbank set and the, this little cabin on stage at Pinewood. And Angela and I walked into one of the sound stages and we were like, it was like, oh, you know, like <laughs> the gods were singing. And it was so amazing. So every, every episode, I'm like, can we go back to Pinewood? <laughs> like having a real studio to shoot at and build sets. And it was amazing. And I feel like, you know, we want that. You know, I want to I wanna shoot in a real sound stage, like, and just experience actually my real dream now is to get a to get an office on the universal lot just so i can say i had an office at universal <laughs> studios where they shot frankenstein and the wolfman that's my next uh, that's my next goal so so next time we talk i will i will invite you to my office at universal even though i don't have one yet <laughs> okay all right hey that sounds good to us yeah <laughs> we'd be there that's that's makes me feel so good as a walking dead fan because honestly that's how i picture you guys making that show like you guys do seem like a family you guys bust your ass went through hell i mean i've read stuff where like a single fight scene would you know you see for a a few seconds and you know it took you guys half the day to do it so it's like that we see all that it all comes out and it's just really good to hear well listen and you know between the new storyline with samantha and ryan and the whispers Mm -hmm. and it it really is it's it's such a monumental effort to to pull this show forward, and there's so many people that have their hands on the rope mm. uh, and and exhaust themselves. You know, I mean, we have three more weeks of filming, and you know, I mean, it feels like the season went fast, but man, between that and Creep Show, and I haven't had a day off in 19 months. I'm really looking forward to like not doing anything for a couple of days. That'll all change at the drop of a hat, but yeah. I have this fantasy of like sleeping past 8 a.m. Oh, it's pretty God. exciting. <laughs> well, the the few moments you had of that, you spent it with us and we are very grateful for that. We enjoyed our time with you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see guys time. anytime. We'll be in touch. We can't wait to see more. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. You have a great day. Have a good one, Greg. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye, Lauren. Thank you. Mink, how we we just spent what like a half hour talking about how awesome that conversation was. We did, man. I think that was amazing. Yeah, combo. That wasn't even an interview. We had a conversation. Yeah. Oh man, we just we we want to talk to you. That's what we did. We sat down. We had a conversation with Greg. Yeah. Um, he told us a lot about what was going on and his schedule, and uh, pretty much just laid out the work that it takes to be somebody like that in that industry, and it really puts into perspective. Like all these people say, oh, you know, you know, Hollywood gets paid too much. They really, you know, the actors. How hard could it be? Mm-hmm. It's difficult, man. It's not an easy job. No. To go out there and do what these guys have been doing, especially, you know, like you were saying, for 10 years. Dude, they film on, they, they're in Georgia. They didn't go to Canada and spend a few months there where it's a little cooler and they can make it kind of, no, they're in Georgia. How hot was it today? Um, it got to 87. Are you fucking kidding me? 
to 87. I'll tell you what it is right now. This morning it was 72. Wow. This morning it was like 30. No, it got down to 57 degrees and I threw a bitch fit the other day. No, it, it's cold. You, you know when you get up in the morning and you go out and it is freezing. Sun's not even all the way up yet. Yep, it's 78 right now. <sighs> Damn, you son of a you bitch. You know what's weird, though, is that it would fucking snow, and then you'd walk outside in a short sleeve shirt and be fine. Well, yeah, because we, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, they, like, it, it gets really fucking hot, man. And to be out there doing that shit. Um, they, I mean, if you think about it, they filmed The Walking Dead mm-hmm. as The Walking Dead. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be exhausted. That's why... Does that make sense? Yeah, that's why Daryl is gotta be the baddest motherfucker, man. Like, that that's tough work, and he does it. And he's an action pack dude. Like he's all over the place. He'll fuck you up for real, yeah. Daryl. He'll whoop that ass. Yeah. He knows how to use that crossbow. I love Walking Dead. Uh, I mean, remember when we sit there and we'd watch the show and be like, "If this motherfucker died, that's Shocky." Yeah, dies, yeah. We called him Jeremy Shocky. Yeah, yeah. That was Jeremy Shocky to us. Yeah, the workhorse. Yep. Again, everybody, happy Halloween. I hope you enjoyed our Halloween special. Dude, this was the best way I could have thought to celebrate this holiday. It really is, dude. I mean, right now, opportunities like that, you know, if you would have told us two years ago, if we thought that this would be... Oh, um, God. You know, of course, you know, we couldn't fathom it. It was So a lot of the things that Greg touched on is a lot of the stuff that we're going through right now and what we're trying to do. So to us, it really, really was, it meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it sparked a lot of motivation. Because two years ago, we're sitting down in the rooms doing movie reviews on Halloween and, you know, stuff like the fucking creep show. And now we're talking to the guy behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we had, it's 2019, dude. We had the best Halloween. Yeah. Oh, hands down. Dude. I don't care what anybody did. I don't care. Don't care. Best Halloween. That was all. But yeah, dude, you're right, man. Like. Yeah, when we, we were reaching out and all that stuff, like, oh, man, we get taught Greg Nicotero, awesome. But, dude, like, now knowing him, like, I was a fan of his yeah. work before. I was a huge fan. I love this guy. Like, I, I'm beyond fan now. Like, I admire the person so much more. Like, you always think about the shit they go through to do all this stuff and put everything together, whatever. But to know it's somebody, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Well, you make her friends. You're building relationships. Yeah. You're, you're doing this stuff, and you know a lot of people. It, it is fun. Don't get us wrong. Oh yeah. But it is work at the same time. So if you can build relationships and meet people along the way, and it means something, it makes it that much more worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. And you know, we were talking about a little bit. Anytime you meet somebody new, you don't know how they are. They don't know how you are. All that stuff. So it's like you get that. You know, that moment of meeting each you have to meet each other and have a conversation, full blown conversation instantly. That is not easy to do all the time. Yeah. You gotta think, like how many people every <laughs> everybody listen, how many people do you run across in your everyday life that you cannot wait to get away from them? It happens. Pretty much this. It's like a job interview almost. Pretty much. If that makes sense. Like because you're there's it's it's still business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then before you establish the relationship with that person that you're speaking to, that's what it's about. You're promoting something. You're 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 inside the industry, and you're trying to doing your you job, know, make things work. You're doing your job. Yeah, and they're doing their job. <laughs> you know, so when you go into that room, you're in that interview, and you talk to this person who's potentially going to be your employee. You know, and you end up working there for ten years, and your boss is your best friend. Things like that don't happen all the time. 
So when that does occur, more often than you that, take it for granted. Yeah, you you, you hate your boss. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, and it was a blessing for us because we didn't expect that. Mm-mm. No, you know, and um, we we really can't thank Greg enough for what he did and the time that he spent with us. Because you heard him in the interview how busy he is. Oh God, mate, he had two <laughs> his easiest day in two years, and he kicked it with us. Kicked it with us. Honored. I'm gonna go see that fucking creature though. Yeah, no. I know. We would have went to help him. Yeah, for sure. We brought Stevie. If he needs to move that, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> if he needs to move oh, that, God. motherfucker, the three of us can handle it with Uncle Stevie. Greg, no, we will not bring our Uncle Stevie to your house. You don't know him. Just your toilets wouldn't be able to take it. We will not bring him to your home. Don't worry. But that son of a bitch will get moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he will. <laughs> he will. We would bring Coral and Stevie, and Feta would come because Coral and Stevie are coming. Yeah. So it would be me, you, Stevie, Coral, and Feta at Greg Nicotero's house, moving this monster and the obscenities that his neighbors would hear between Stevie and Coral. And Oh, my God. Had the best time of our lives. He'd hate us. There's a, there's a potential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just for bringing them there and putting them through it. There's a potential for that. And then at the end, when it's all moved, it's all said and done, we done made a fool of ourselves via them the whole time we're done the job is finished and stevie walks up to greg before we're about to leave and goes where's your bathroom yeah oh that's usually how we go it's over i did all this work for you i moved all this stuff now where's your bathroom <laughs> where's that time to pay <laughs> oh, shit. and i would hope that greg would let him use the smallest bathroom that he's got i i would hope greg would have a porta potty you don't want to give him too much room to run around and move around in there. What can he do in there? I don't know. I just got a feeling that when he's in a restroom that has a lot of space for him, he really gets into it. If you can make him as uncomfortable as he can be, it'll just be a hurry up shit. And then you got make him get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> but if you give him too much space, too much, you know. Don't let him get comfortable. Like that bathroom upstairs when it got renovated, his ass was sitting there for fucking 20 minutes. Oh, you're right. Yeah. When he gets you a good know? toilet, he utilizes it. Yeah. Fuck, man, that was cool, Greg. Oh, right? Dude, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I, I couldn't... That was such a real conversation. I wouldn't have traded that for the world. No, but not for nothing, man. When it when mm. it all got started and when it was all setting up and everything like that, and we had those jitters and everything, he was so genuine. Yeah. That, that kind of, like, just went away, and it was so, like... Yeah. You know, like, that was really cool of him. He's a really good guy. And imagine working with, like, I could fucking see people working with him for 10 fucking years. Easy. Happily. With a like and that's that. why he gets the praise, because he, I mean, I could imagine what it's like. Imagine yeah. how pleasant. The stress and shit and stuff, like, it ain't easy being a nice person like that, you know, in that, that kind of no, industry. No, 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 no. No, no, no. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, shit, man, I would, he can come on literally anytime he wants. We'll have an extra show, just because he fucking feels like it. We need to find out how we can get the time to go to his restaurant. Yeah. Sit down and have a meal there, you know? Yeah. Enjoy ourselves and experience that. Hell yeah. That would be awesome. Maybe we'll get a few fucking free... Uh, yeah, right? ...pizza rolls or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that just goes to show you, man. Like, he's, he's so... Um, his work ethic is off the chain. Uh, you know, he's got all that stuff going on, and then to turn around and still run that. And then, like he said, in six months, he made back his investment, and everybody was telling him no, not yeah. to do it. And, and look, 
Yeah. Yeah. See, that, that's the another thing. Of the grind. He didn't have, you know, all the time in the world today. Understandable. So, you know, we, we could, dude, there was so much more I wanted to ask him. Like, I could have yeah. talked to him all day. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it, genuinely interesting he is. It was cool as fuck, man. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. Awesome time. Um, so happy Halloween, man. Yeah, happy Halloween. Whoopty fucking do. Now we get to chill. Be safe, though. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. Don't do nothing that we wouldn't do, because if we wouldn't do oh, it, God. then you know you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, don't forget to get your pet spayed and neutered. Hashtag Big Ball Bill. The hashtag Big Ball Bill. And wear a condom. Yeah, yeah. And don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. Yes. Yeah. And go to Man... Oh, Man speaking of your tool, Manscaped.com. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. Still get 20% off of free shipping if you go to Manscaped.com and use promo slasher radio. Mm. And they still got the shutter thing, correct? Yeah, yeah. Get yourself 30 free days on shutter. Slasher pod promo code. That damn right, boy. I mean, come on. What more do you guys want from us, man? Another thing, too, is if you go to the website and you check out all the articles that we got on there, there's mm. going to be a lot of content that we have planned. So please stay in tune and don't forget to check it out. every. So if you're on the toilet taking the shit, go check it out. Go see. We have giveaways. We have a bunch of stuff. But no, dude, you're right. Rob has articles up there right now. Right. You can go check them out. Go check them out and go see them. There's a bunch of cool shit on there for you guys. Yeah. Shout out to, to Rob. We love Rob. Big Rob, boy. Yeah. Wow. I got drunk at my Halloween party and I tweeted, I love Rob. I love Rob, too. He reminded me that I fucked up my fantasy. Yeah, but I, I forgot that I tweeted that and I was looking through my shit to retweet something and I was like, when the hell did I say that? Nate, you know, I have a rule. What? I have a rule on uh, um, drunk tweeting, drunk post posting, mm. but I find that's the best fucking time to do it. It's so hard not to. Mick, I was talking shit the other night, random. It's so hard not to, but it's the best time. See, yeah. social media is like a fucking... Um, Drug? No, it's like a loaded gun. Like, you know you shouldn't be playing with it when it's loaded, but it's just more fun that way. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> But yeah, go to go do all that stuff, guys. Also, uh, for uh, I don't know how much longer, not much longer, our shop is open. Slasherradio.com forward slash shop. Go check that out. Get, oh, someone just, uh, shit, fuck. Somebody tweeted a picture of their hoodie that came in. Oh, shit. At SilverBandit36. His hoodie came in, Make It looks bomb. You got to get you some, guys. You got to get you some. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Please don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> go do that. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Slasher Radio, SlasherRadio.com. Uh, I'm at Mikey's Dead. Make where you at? At Bobby Spitzer with two R's. Them flip flapping? Flip flapping, baby. We got a Halloween flip flap. Halloween flip flap. <laughs> Pancakes. Um, yeah, that's it. So, happy Halloween, guys. Bobby said, be safe, enjoy, and we'll catch you next week, like we do every week. Good night from Slasher Radio. All the best with Slasher Radio Podcast.
He has a stall at work. He shits. That's his stall. Fete knows. No, Stevie. That's Stevie's stall. Somebody fucks with him. <laughs> There's something in in there that he likes, and it's slightly different from every other stall. So that's his stall. But it has no lock on the door. Oh, nobody's gonna go in there anyway. <laughs> but no, the Fete went in there on him a few times. That's a brave man. <laughs> he did though. Yeah. We went in on him. Oh God. Sometimes you just got to do it to do it. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Imagine being around when uh, when our dads used to... They said, Uncle Didi said, my dad and your dad would go into the public bathrooms and kick the stalls in on people, the doors. The sheer terror. Taking <laughs> them two there? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you hear the door open and then boom! Right in your fucking face, dude. Dang. And them standing there. The, the sheer shocking terror. <laughs> the sheer terror. I don't, I don't know, man. Because <laughs> you know they didn't just kick it and run. They're going no. to badger you about they what you're doing. They had to talk some shit, say something, maybe take the toilet paper away. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> Take the TP. We did that to Stevie a few times. Take and then on the way paper. out, like unhinge it and like fuck it up real bad so it don't <laughs> shut. Maybe hold you down and push the toilet while you're on it. What do you do at that point? Well, there's nothing you can do. What at do you point, do? You just let them do what they gotta do and just <laughs> fucking hold it down until they leave and then never talk about it again. <laughs> Miguel used to, when he was in school, he would leave his book bag. On the outside of the stall. I'm like, dude, why would you do that? Somebody can not only take it, but knock on the stall door and say, hey, I'm about to take your shit. Pick it up and walk out casually. There's nothing you can do about it. He had a lot of trust in the system, huh? <laughs> dude, you, like, you're so vulnerable when you're taking a shit. That's why I don't shit in public places. Never. <laughs> like, dude, even at home, if someone breaks into your house, not all, you gotta get up, you pants around your ankles, you gotta, you're fucked. I get nervous when I hear people coming down the hallway. <laughs> like, cause my bathroom's like, like, you walk in my room, uh -huh. to the left, there's a, um, kind of like a hallway closet, and then right. that hallway closet goes into a bathroom. Okay. So I'll get nervous when I hear people going into that hallway closet. Like, I can hear them click that light. I can hear that light click, and I'm like, I'm in here immediately. I don't even... <laughs> you don't even give them a chance. Nope, I'm immediately, I'm in here. Wow. They're like, motherfucker, ain't nobody coming in there. Like, well, I'm in here. Well, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and the thing about it, too, like, is if you don't shut that door right, it won't latch. Yeah. Ooh. So, like, if I'm in a hurry and I just fucking close the door, Bill will come in every fucking time. <laughs> And sit there while I take a shit. I don't know why. Jita does that to me too sometimes. This cat has seen me take a shit and wipe my ass. If pets could talk to me. <laughs> I know, right? If they could speak. <laughs> Feta texted me today and said he shit a T. A T? Was it a T? Yeah. He texted me and said, Jimmy, <laughs> I shit a T the other day. Pretty soon we could have the whole alphabet. I wanted to take a picture and send it to you, but I forgot and flushed it. Remember when he was shitting S's? No. 
He shit an S a couple times. Like, it really did look like an S, so now he's shitting T's. <laughs> you talking about... Huh? I don't know, man. Like, they say you should know your vowels. He's got vowels. Right? Fucking... <laughs> he said we're gonna have the whole alphabet. <laughs> That's a lot. 26 shits. The hardest yeah. one I think for him to do, to pull off, would probably be in capital R. If he could fucking finesse oh, that. Oh, dear God, yeah. <laughs> He's a genius. <laughs> An F isn't that easy either, but yeah, that R is a... How the hell do you do that? I mean, that's that's, that's going to take a little bit of rotation. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to have to maneuver. <laughs> the Z, too, wouldn't be that easy either. Yeah. But that R, you got to have that rounded. Ugh. Yeah. If anybody's butthole could do it, it would be his. Kind of round, pinch, and then restart and lay another brick. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. Break down. Break down. But you know, you ever watched, um, I don't know if you keep up with them or not, but you remember Steve-O from Jackass, right? Yeah, I don't follow he him. Has these, he has these stories about when he was on drugs, and there were spirits that would come in and out and fuck with him. Did you see that show they the had show. when he was all huh. fucked up? Yeah. Dude, yeah. And he'll show you clips. He'll show you clips. He'll be like, like, watch this video. Like, there, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking to spirits. He's like, there were spirits that would come in and fuck with me. And some would tell him to kill himself. Some would try to help him. Some would just fuck with him. Some, you know, like, they all kind of like, they would just come in and his, his mind, he was so fucked up. So people were like, well, you were on drugs. You were just seeing shit. And he was like, no, I was on drugs and I got to a point and, and into a mental place where I was on that plane. Like right. he swears by it. You got to look this shit up, dude. And it's so spooky. He was, they were like, well, how could you tell if they're good or bad? He was like, well, the bad ones would kind of fuck with me. Like they would kind of like, you know, set shit on fire and stuff like that and just kind of like, you know, yeah. Kind of fuck with them. And then he had one that would come in and kind of like, you know, like fucking do drugs, do the drugs that he's doing, and it would make him want to do them. Right. And he was big on nitrous oxide or some shit like that. So he wouldn't breathe. Oh, those whippets. Yeah, the whippets. They would tell him, he said they would tell him not to breathe, like to do it and hold your breath. You'd oh. get higher. So he would find out ways to not breathe. Yeah. Dude, I'll, I'll never forget that show where it had all that shit in there. Like, dude, you're right. It felt like just watching that intro of him talking, and you didn't even see the rest of the shit yet. It felt so dark. It was fucking. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Remember a stint with 50? Oh, yeah. Dude, th yeah. Th he should be ashamed. You know? And he was going through it, dude. But it just makes you think, like, is there a way to go through. You know, that part, you know, to where your mind is like, you know, they always say marijuana is a spiritual thing. Like, it's, you know, people smoke it for spiritual purposes and it puts you on that plane. I can agree. I feel like that. Yeah, it does. It can. Right. You know, but to a, not to an extent to where you're actually going to be like, you know, playing fucking Nintendo with Casper. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> if you do the shit they were doing, what's to tell the difference between reality or not? How do you not know you are? People would trip on DMT. And swear to God, they went to a whole nother fucking world. Yeah. And they're talking to aliens and that K shit, dude. That, that, that shit right there uh -huh. puts you on that kind of level. 
you're like you're not in this world you're in you're like you're you're in this world but you can see the dimension right next to it that's crazy it makes you uncomfortable because you're kind of like unlocking the this this weird truth but you trying to convince yourself it's not because you're on drugs obviously I'm yeah fucking treatment. so then people freak out because it's like no it's real but it's not supposed to be real so why is it seeing you and they get to that point yeah Fuck that shit, man. There's a reason why you can go down the hallway in the dark and feel like there's something there. Because there is. There's something there. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. Malevolent spirits and shit. Yeah. The, the, you can... Like, there's being paranoid, and then there's when you can feel something. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's there. Yeah, dude. Like, I, if I sleep, I'll sleep facing my closet, and we took the doors off the closets, so and I was just open. Yeah. And obviously it's darker in there, and I'm like, like sometimes I'll just look in there, man. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, it, it doesn't bother me any night normally, but you know, every once in a blue moon, right. you'd swear something was in there. Shine your light in there on my phone. I'll do that sometimes. Like, what the fuck? You just get that sense, man. But there's a reason why you get that sense because we're we're in, we're spiritually in tune. We're we're born spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. Right. We're born spiritually dead. But that doesn't mean that we're not in tune with the spirit world. You still have those senses. You still feel those things. Right. And a lot of people take this Bible thing out of complex context because it's like, you know, the Jesus God. There's a lot of spiritual truth inside that book. Right. Just like with the Quran and all that other stuff. And there's things in there. And if you read it, it do make sense mm-hmm. whether you believe in that kind of God or not. Because yeah. it deals with what, you know... Both we, sides we, of it. Yeah, it deals with um, that spiritual plane. You know, and you attract what you put out. You definitely attract it. But the thing about it is, too, like the sweetest fucking things in the world, like you feel like the best things in the world that are going on there could be just a ruse. You feel like everything's going right because you're blessed. Yeah, blessed could be a hex, could be a curse. It's intended. Could mean something worse is coming. <laughs> exactly. Coming for a storm, yeah. You know? Some dark shit, boy. And then boom, before you know it, you're getting fucking fingered <laughs> in the ass by some demogorgon. I was going to say, by who? Who's fingering you in the ass? Joe Rogan is fingering. Oh, that wouldn't be so bad, baby. What? Getting fingered by Joe Rogan. As long as you don't kick me, I'm fine. As long as he talks to you. Like, at least you get to talk to Joe Rogan. He's a cool dude. Dude, if there was ever a talk to have like this with anybody, it'd be him. Oh, yeah. He'd tell you everything you need to know about it. Yeah. From his eyes, anyway. <sighs> That's why we got to take a month off and you and me just go to the mountains and trip on DMT. Oh, and then take God. baths with spider monkeys. <laughs> just do as much as we can. In just in that month, just fucking grow beards, fucking trip out, and then come back and tell everybody what happened. Oh dear God, we'd like be so. wanted in, in to answer everybody's things. question. Yes, we did fuck now. It's out of the way. It's over. Okay, move on. Answer everybody's question, which we all know and what you want to know since we've been I guess we did fuck now. And they'd be like, What? We didn't want to know that. <laughs> no, you did, Steven. I knew it. You see? I knew it. You cock. I took it. 
But we would trip out so hard that we would have hallucinations of him being there. Oh, yeah. And then when we seen him, we would probably strangle his ass because all this fucked up shit that we imagined him doing. Not only that, he I think we would get so deep with it that he would kind of feel like he was there. Like, he'd just be yeah. sitting on his couch watching TV, but, oh, what the? <sighs> he'd feel some of it. Call you up randomly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you're doing, but stop. Just checking on you. What's going on? We'd have to bring him, but the thing about it is, he wouldn't. He wouldn't participate in any of it. No, but he would be able. To, at least he'd be there to make sure nothing goes wrong. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing. As much as he would fuck with us, he'd make sure you have a pillow under your head when you fell asleep, even though he put his cock in your mouth. <laughs> he put his cock in your mouth. if we were ever in that state, I think he would do it. Yeah. He would. And and yeah. even if he didn't. Forever. So, oh, yeah, you guys were out. I fucked you both in the ass. Took turns. He's a little tighter, but... <laughs> he Oh, he told me that you gave it to me most of the time, by the way. So, and then just remember that, because then it's going to be you gave it to me most of the time. Yeah, event, but he's been sticking to that for a while now. Yeah. So, I mean, he's this. he might think... And I said to him, tell him, like, wait a minute, so I just got fucked in the ass. I didn't even get a turn? And he's like, well... Every now and then, but mostly it was him. You were bent over. <laughs> wow. So he has it down to a point to where who fucked who the most of the time? What was going Percentages. on? Percentages. Percentage-wise. And... He's got a stack column. So, I mean, I don't think that it was just a coupled relationship. He was involved then. For him to know so much, no. He has to be fucking involved. It had to be one of those little Muslim marriages where we had, like, fucking nine <laughs> wives. We could have made that one. work, the three of us. Oh yeah, he wouldn't have been happy, but we, he would have been. He, he, we would eventually made him so happy. That was the thing. We always yeah. made him miserable, but we cashed in hard. I know. If he, because he wouldn't let us do nice. Yeah, he liked you know? it. He wouldn't let us do nice. He's a fucking slut. He likes it rough. Yeah, yeah, he does. He likes it rough. Cause like he'll fuck with me. I'll have that sh- that sword halfway up my ass. I'm trying to do something, and he's shoving it on my. And then oh, Jimmy, we gotta take that the ladder out of the pool. So I was like, damn, now you're trying to help me. Like what? This? He's the same way. <laughs> yes, he loves it rough though. Man. He did not want to give me any props for that kitchen though. He's a piece of shit for that. He'd do it too. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed it was cleaner. Yeah, he, that killed him to say. You should tell him. And not only did you do that and clean all that shit up, but you did it because you knew that in your bottom of your heart that he was going to have to come and fucking see it and be mad about it. Yeah, I should. That, that would piss him off more. And then he'll say, uh, you want to throw all that work to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it worked. You know, fucking, it worked. <laughs> but that cause that's why he doesn't want to fucking let you know, because it did it work. It yeah. worked. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's if you want to wait, we can wait. But I don't give a shit. All right, let's just go then. Alrighty. Welcome. Oh wait, whoa! What am I doing? Stevie got a small cock. Oh my god! Oh my god! Fuck. Stevie got a small cock. Stevie got a small cock. Welcome to Slasher Radio. 